Hey everybody, it's Bina007 back with another 10 minute movie review. And today I'm going to talk to you about two films that were released in the UK this weekend. The first is The Kitchen and the second is The Disappearance of Cher Height. So let's start with The Kitchen, which comes from the acclaimed actor Daniel Kaluuya, who you will know from films such as Judas and the Black Messiah. And he has partnered with director Joe Murtagh from American Animals and writer Kibwe Tavares to come up with a really fascinating political discourse set in a near-future dystopian London. When the film opens, we think that this is going to be a classic dystopian political nightmare about gentrification and police brutality. But actually, as the film goes on, it becomes apparent that its real themes are actually those of fatherhood and community. So the kitchen of the title is basically the last piece of social housing in London. And the government wants the residents cleared out so so that they can build luxury flats instead. And when the residents refuse to leave, they are punished by having their utilities cut off and periodic, really brutal police raids. Against this backdrop, we meet Izzy, who is our protagonist, our hero, And he starts off as a cynical man who is desperate to leave the kitchen for luxury housing. But he is constrained by the sudden appearance of a young boy called Benji, who may or may not be his son. And it becomes at that point a little bit confusing what the stakes of the film are. Is it whether Izzy will have the money to move out? Is it going to be a struggle for Benji's future on the straight and narrow with Izzy or joining a biker gang? Or is it whether the kitchen in its entirety is going to survive? And I guess the film is a mix of all of these three things. I really wanted to love this film. There is a real joy, actually, in seeing your home city locations that you know, such as the Barbican, reinvented in a near dystopian future. Um, I love the way that on presumably quite a low budget, the producers have created this very well fleshed out and compelling location that is the kitchen. It's just so imaginatively done. And the politics around gentrification, the lack of social housing, this extreme income inequality in London are really compelling. They are urgent and vital and speak to those of us who are Londoners. But I did find the film a little bit frustrating. Overall, I feel the film feels a bit underwritten and a bit lugubrious, like it just needed a bit more editing and a bit more fleshing out. I think that it is very clear that there are no remotely important female characters in this film. And maybe the writers would argue that this is a film that's focusing on fatherhood and that the narrative arc is about the selfish man and whether he will or won't take on responsibility. But overall, that just felt a little bit regressive in a film that's meant to be, I think, promoting progressive left values of inclusion and social equality. It just felt like a really obvious misstep. I felt that in front of the lens, Kane Robinson, who will be known to people as Kano, uh, the musical artist, um, you may have seen him acting in Top Boy, I just didn't feel he got to show much range as Izzy. Um, He seemed to play him as just looking conflicting and staring into the middle distance all the time. And I think that this may or may not be that Kano is a good actor or not. He just didn't have much help from the script. It makes him so taciturn that the role needed some good facial acting and we just didn't get it. I think we're on far more impressive ground, actually, with the young actor Jedediah Bannerman, who is both 
heartbreaking and hilarious as the young kid Benji. I mean, he's definitely an actor to watch. And I will confess that as a Gooner, as a fan of Arsenal Football Club, um, I got a real thrill from seeing iconic football legend Ian Wright playing the voice and heart of the kitchen. This DJ who spins classic vinyl while preaching solidarity from his flat. And I was really pleased and relieved to see that this was not a cheap cameo either. They weren't using Ian Wright just for his name and iconic status. The character of Lord Kitchener really is the emotional heartbeat of this film. And the emotional payoff in the way that they use him is is really profound. As I said before, Behind the Lens production design did wonders with with this set. Um, I love the grungy, vibrant, rotting, exciting space of the kitchen. I could have just derped around that space for a while. It felt real. It felt worth fighting for, which is very important. And that the sound design and the soundtrack is really exceptional. I just feel that the film is just undercut. It's all films start and end with scripts, and this one just needed another pass. But my goodness, you know, a really fascinating film, and let's see what Daniel Kaluuya does next. And definitely, although I think this is an imperfect film, one to watch for all Londoners, it will resonate. The Kitchen has a running time of 104 minutes. It's rated R. It is on release in UK cinemas this weekend and will be released on Netflix next weekend. Okay, before we get into the second review, if you have any little people near you, um, I would suggest you pause and listen later because we're going to cover some graphic material in this next review. Okay, so my second film of the week, going from one that had no women to one that's all about women and feminism, is The Disappearance of Cher Height, which is a documentary by Nicole Newnham. It is an urgent, well-constructed and sadly incredibly relevant film about Cher Height, who was a very famous feminist sociologist in the 70s and 80s. And she was a publishing sensation, but was ultimately just cut down by the patriarchy. So as the movie opens, we see this beautiful, intelligent, curious and sex positive woman. She's studying at Columbia. She becomes interested in women and their sexuality and decides to self-fund research. She is part of the women's liberation movement. She starts printing out herself these questionnaires and just sends them all around America and gets 3,000 responses back, tabulates all these responses, hits up all her friends for loans to keep her in business. Also models to help keep her self-funded because she's incredibly beautiful, some of which is nude modeling. And at the end of this five-year struggle, she produces The Height Report, um, published in 1976. And the most shocking revelations of this report is it's kind of the first time people have asked women, what are your sexual experiences? What gets you off? And the biggest revelation is that for women, the most satisfaction they get is from clitoral orgasm. And that conventional vaginal intercourse is a poor way to achieve this. As a result, most of the women filling in the survey say actually the most satisfaction they get is through masturbation. So you can imagine men's response to this. You can imagine women's response to this. All women are reading this report. It becomes an overnight publishing sensation. Apparently, even today, it's the 30th most read book of all time, which is phenomenal because I think most of us now wouldn't have even heard of it, even though we've all heard of the Kinsey report on men. So that tells you something right there. The severity and the savagery of the masculine backlash is comprehensive. 
And luckily, the documentary film filmmakers have tons of footage. They have the footage of Cher Height doing publicity interviews, press tours, um, late night talk shows. And you just see men absolutely going for her, discrediting her in any way they can, saying that you can't take her seriously because she did new pictures. You can't take her seriously because she only had a sample of 3000 women. Uh, to which I would say, you know, of course, there's sample bias, but you try getting a representative number of women to answer a sex survey, especially in 1976. It doesn't invalidate some of the really trenchant sort of insights that Cher Height gave us. Um, and what's so tragic of this film is as the film progresses and all these clips progress, you just see this incredibly vibrant, beautiful woman kind of dying inside from just being bludgeoned and bludgeoned by the, the patriarchal backlash. It's just, I mean, sadly, not shocking, but awful to see. In the end, she's basically driven out of the business. You know, she can't get a book deal for her forthcoming book, even though she's one of the biggest selling authors of all time. She ends up giving up her US citizenship and living in Europe and kind of being rediscovered as a feminist icon over here. But the whole story is incredibly sad, but beautifully rendered in this documentary. The fact that they have so much vintage footage and also they get Dakota Johnson, the very famous actress, to kind of voice diaries of Cher Height. So you really feel you know her and you really feel sorry for her and what she went through. The conclusion of all this for me was to wonder whether this cancellation and suppression of Cher Height is still ongoing because... As I said, people today know all about the Kinsey report on men, but how many of them know about the Height report on women? Why, after immense critical acclaim when this film showed at the Sundance Film Festival in January of 2023, did this film not get wider distribution? Why is it only just coming out and basically a very limited cinema release and then on streaming, even though it's got a star as big as Dakota Johnson voicing the words of Cher Height? Why do people not care about the message that Cher Height is giving, especially at a time of increased suppression of female sexuality and reproduction in the United States? I mean, it just it just feels like this film is urgent. Her message is relevant. We should all be aware of Cher Height. And I would urge you to watch this documentary. I think it's beautifully made. It's so important. And let's try and undisappear Cher Height, right? Let's try and bring her back to prominence. Because my goodness, in the current cultural climate, we definitely need her. So The Disappearance of Cher Height is rated R and has a running time of 118 minutes. It played Sundance 2023 and was released in the USA last November. It was released in UK cinemas this weekend. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy whatever you're watching this weekend. Feel free to leave a comment at bina007.com. Thank you for listening.